Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Welcome back to the show. We're back from our three-week break. We're feeling refreshed and renewed and charged up and ready to roll. Right, Mark? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but hey, I wanted to remind our friends out there that I threw out a super sweet offer on our last episode, and nobody took me up on the offer, Mark. Lame. I'm a little sad about it. So, look, here's the thing. I know y'all are busy. I know you may be listening in your car, or if you're windy, you're listening when you're going to sleep, so we might put you to sleep a little bit. Right. That's true. (laughs) But here's the thing. I'm going to give you a second shot because I'm a nice person. So I said that if you write us a review and if you send us a screenshot to firstcenturyyouthministry at gmail.com or if you tag us on one of our social media pages on Twitter or on Facebook and let us know about it, then I'm going to send you a free book of mind. As long as you live in the United States, I can totally do it, right? And so if you don't live in the U.S., that's a little bit of the shipping charges are a little high, Mark. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. If you don't live in the U.S., um, I'll sing you a song in our Facebook group. I like it. And it will be from The Little Mermaid, since that came up in our cohort. Yeah, it did. It did, indeed. Well, hey, so we're having a super fun discussion on Jewish interpretation in Scripture. So this is really foundational when it comes to understanding the Bible. And so Mark is going to be plowing through this discussion for us today. So Mark. Yeah, so we're going to do this like in two parts, okay? Yeah. So today's uh, today's kind of textual study is going to look at two passages from the Old Testament and how one interprets the other in a surprisingly and a little bit shockingly different way and then ask why it matters and why it, like the whole passage matters for youth ministry. Okay. All in under 20 minutes. And then next time we chat, we're going to look at the New Testament doing the same thing. I thought I would just warm you up by uh, doing Old Testament stuff. Let's do it. That's not good? Let's roll. All right. So if you turn to 2 Samuel 24, David does a big no-no. He Uh, takes a census. He counts all of his armies and chariots and guys and like everyone that he's got on the chessboard. Yeah. And that's like a big no-no for for the Hebrew kings. You're not supposed to count your might like Pharaoh. You're supposed to rely on on Yahweh. Yeah. But as we read, like watch this. As we open this passage, it says, again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And so he incited David against them saying, go count the people of Israel and Judah. And so the king said to Joab and the commanders of the army who were with him, go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and take a census of the people so that I may know how many there are Mm. yada 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 Mm -hmm. notice first of all who incites david to take the census that he then gets judged for and his army gets beat up for yeah it's the lord yeah it's yahweh yahweh puts the idea in his head and this might be shocking to some of you that have like a theological box for what god can and can't do sure but this happens in the hebrew bible all the time and it specifically happens in the Deuteronomistic history. Ooh, big word. And that is a big word. Wow. 
that means the giant book that makes up Joshua, Judges, the books of Samuels, and the books of Kings. Because we have First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. It's one book in the Hebrew Bible. So it's like Deuteronomistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deuteronomistic. Don't hurt yourself, kid. Yeah, I feel like that um, was a rap group in the 80s. Deuteronomistic. <laughs> it made me think of the scene in Little Nemo where he's like, I live in an anemone. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah. Heard. So the Deuteronomistic history, do you hear the word Deuteronomy in it? I, I do. Yeah, so Deutero, second, Namas, law. It's the second giving of the law in scripture. Ah. It's a little different than the first one. And the Deuteronomistic history is one book, actually. Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings is all one narrative written or compiled by one scribe. And it's meant to answer one question. Why did we go into exile if we were supposed to be God's people? Hmm. Right? Wait, so, so stop. Yeah. Okay, hit yeah, the, yeah, I'm hitting yeah. the pause button. So you said sure. the Bring second it. giving of the law. So first giving mm-hmm. the law on Mount Sinai. Yep. So what are you talking about here? This is when Moses lines up all the people before yeah. they cross into the Holy Land. And he's like, let's oh, revisit the law. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. But if right. you read it closely, it's very different. Yes. What he commands. Um, and this might be shocking to you. It's not shocking to the people that wrote the Bible. Sure. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. So anyways... Um, look at this passage though. The Lord incites David to count his armies so that he can punish David for counting his armies because he's angry at Israel. And again and again in the pattern of the Deuteronomistic history, which takes Deuteronomy and like runs with it, right? Yeah. The idea is if you do what the Lord has commanded, you'll be blessed. If you don't do what the Lord has commanded, you will be cursed. And this is one of those passages that plays with it. Yeah. Like the author's being playful. Yeah. God actually puts this bright idea in David's head, but it's the means to punish Israel for having been disobedient. Wow. So there's a cycle happening over and over again, though, that Israel will disobey, not rely on God. They'll be punished and then they'll cry out and then God will deliver them. It runs through Joshua, runs through Judges, runs through Samuel, runs through Kings. Yeah. Ready to hit ready to hit the turbo button? Yeah, let's roll. Let's do it. I'm, I'm that was all just that was all just Bible nerd setup. Yeah. Okay? So if we turn over to First Chronicles, yeah. we have the same account. It's and, in And Mark, this is stuff that makes people really uncomfortable. It's like the I conversations know. that people don't want to have. So good yeah. for you. You should hang out with me more. Yeah. Guys. Um yeah. Um I make people feel uncomfortable, but then I love them when it's done. That's right. Okay, so First Chronicles 21 is a rewriting of this text. And I'm just flat out going to say that. Something about this passage bothered the author of Chronicles, and so he flat out tells it differently. Hmm. You ready? This is going to jar you a little bit, but then we're going to put it together. Okay. All right, First Chronicles 21. Satan, yeah, Satan stood up against Israel and incited David to count the people of Israel. Wow. And, and then the story is the same. David counts the people. God's like, not cool, bro. And then their army gets pounded, right? Huh. Um, yeah, that's a very, very big discrepancy. Right? Right? Which, by the, by the way, at, at this point, um, <laughs> Satan, you know, many of us will say he's a fallen angel. Sure. Right? Who now works for Team Evil. But he wasn't always that way. At some point, he was. Like, I thought he God, was right? the guy that closed Chick Fil A on Sundays. 
That's not- hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. No, that's the moron that told Chick-fil-A oh. that the Sabbath was supposed to be Sunday. Oh, that's right. Anyways. Whoops. Um, so look, at some point, if Satan's a fallen angel, he was with God, right? Well, in the growing up of Israelites religious tradition, Satan not only is with God, but he has a job. Yeah. He's like the prosecutor. He's like the prosecuting attorney that pushes on people to test whether or not they'll be faithful. So when he comes in to uh, the divine court in Job, yeah. and God's like, what you been up to, Satan? And he's like, oh, you know, going in and out of the earth, messing with things. He's actually not doing anything wrong. Sure. He's doing his his, his job. job. Yeah. And uh, so here- This is Satan. like super intense because this is like all Michael Heiser's book, Unseen Realm, is about. Michael Heiser's um, fantastic, but he's often just distilling- basic biblical studies 101 yeah i know and, but and we giving don't know it to people yeah. in ways that they haven't thought about sure but satan is like a trickster prosecutor character and he stands up and incites david now you got to ask two questions okay right one why is this happening yeah right? why is it that we had to switch from yahweh to satan yeah well it's because this author is very bothered by the idea that god could put an evil idea in someone's head. Yeah. Just like the author of James um, is an author that's very bothered that God could be the ultimate cause of evil. He says, well, God never does that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The author of James is kind of lines up with this. Like God would never do that. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so he flat out switches the character that incites David. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then specifically it's David that sins, not the entire people, because for the chronicler, it's very important that the leadership are the ones, um, or I mean, for the for the book of Kings, it's very important that the leaders like David are the things, like people that make things go south. And the chronicler has more of a view of- Satan all of the, go south. Yeah, yeah. There's real evil working against the the mm-hmm. kings, and then all the people participate. It's like a group effort right. to sabotage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's this silver lining in Chronicles of Hope that like Chronicles is a book written after the exile. And the question is not why did we go into exile, but how can we get it differently this time? Sure. So we're going to tell the story of our people mm-hmm. through the lens of what does it look like to represent God now? Yeah. Right? And there's all sorts of hints of that through Chronicles. Yeah. None of that's the point, though. There's right. two points we ought to land on. Okay. The first is that this is a clear case. You cannot deny it where an author is reinterpreting reinterpreting an older story and they're both in your bible sure this is what this is the beauty of judaism right Mm -hmm. the western christian mind says no well which is it yeah the jewish mind says not important we have both stories yeah wow here they are we're going to set them both in front of you yeah and you can discuss them as you like wow right and that's Mm -hmm. the jewish mindset yeah the second thing that i want to encourage youth pastors with is a lot of times we do this. We're tempted towards census and it's a clear no-no in the Bible. Like it seems to be that for God's king, placing your power in what humans look at is not the way to go. Yeah. Right. Placing the idea of the success of your ministry or your group in the metrics that people ask you for, how many conversions, how many baptisms, how many kids are coming up to youth group. Sure. Um, it seems that both Yahweh and Satan agree 
it's a bad idea to play the numbers game yeah that in, instead um place your honestly your your might as a youth pastor mm-hmm. in the lord yeah not in all those other metrics and yeah. i think we've said it time and times again but like what does it look like to love the kids that show up well and to play the best game of youth ministry you can yeah. with the kids God's given you to serve. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's, that's true. I think Mark and I, we've talked about this, that, you know, we both led big youth ministries and then we've led really, really small youth ministries. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the last youth ministry I led in Indiana was like the smallest one I've ever led. And, uh, but the depth of love that I had for those kiddos and the leaders depth of love was really genuine and really real. And I know the kids felt that. And, yeah. and I miss those kids, right? I miss them deeply because it was, to me, it was about the kid in the room, not the number on the seat. And it's hard. It's so yeah. hard because we find a lot of worth when our group grows. We find a lot of, a bit of a pat on the back. And, you know, people like, I used to have people ask me, how many kids are coming to youth group? I said, well, let me tell you about a kid whose life is changing. And, and I would try to flip the narrative towards yeah. life transformation instead of numbers as success. But everyone will bring you the wrong questions. Mm-hmm. They will. They will want to know the. Your board will want to know the numbers. Yeah, for sure. Kind of constantly. Yeah. Um, to maybe cross a line, I shouldn't. They will bring you the wrong questions, just like people bring the wrong questions to the Bible mm-hmm. about a discrepancy like this. They're like, "Well, what really happened?" Not important. What really happened is that interpretation is constantly happening in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And this is one example of a thousand. Yeah. But isn't it, I just, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, but if, mm-hmm. if the first, the, the King's um, interpretation is the correct one, what do we Why would it be the do with one? that? Right. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? If, if the Lord placed an evil thought in David's head. It wouldn't be the first time that happens in the Bible. Yeah. First of all. Um, although we're comfortable with like, you know, God hardening Pharaoh's heart, we're a little worried about it when it's, when it's David. Um, but the, the verb that gets used again and again, when Saul basically becomes evil is that the Lord sent an evil spirit into him. Hmm. So like, so so I've read about this with like Jewish interpretation and you can totally let me know how you, what you think about this. Yeah. But so my understanding is that like, the Jewish people would constantly be speaking in very strong language that God does everything. God does this. God does that. God, 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 mm-hmm. God. And so when it comes to this issue of, you know, God um, hardening Pharaoh's heart and things like that, it was more of an issue of, well, Pharaoh's heart was headed towards being hardened anyway. And so it was just a thing of like, well, God hardened it. But really, ultimately, Pharaoh was the one who did the hardening, but it was something that God essentially kind of allowed to happen because it was headed that direction anyways. um, And maybe it was something where David had that inclination in his heart. And so it was just something along the lines of where, okay, God said, all right, well, this is, this is the way your heart's going. Then there you are. Yeah. I don't know. As a Bible scholar, I'd say that's a total cop out. Yeah. It does feel like a cop out, doesn't it? But as a, as a Christian and a person of faith, I would say, let the text be weird. And yeah. it will surprise you in all sorts of ways. And it might be exactly what you need to spend the next week thinking about this mm-hmm. and, and whiplashing to how odd and different the text can be. Sure. We're going to see um, next time together that people tend to think that 
so much of the Old Testament's actually about Jesus, and it's just a matter of connecting those dots. And I would argue that the event of the incarnation and the event of Jesus' death on behalf of sins as a Passover lamb and the event of the resurrection cause these authors to go back through the Hebrew Bible and cherry pick texts and make them about the Messiah. They are interpreting the Hebrew Bible Christologically. And the reason they do that is because Jewish literature always does that. Sure. And so the anchor for my faith is the person and work of Jesus. And the evidence of that is the literary whiplash of the New Testament. Mm. I think what I think you just said something really good as I'm sitting here chewing on my words that I spoke earlier is that the truth is, is that the Bible is a Jewish book. The Jews had a certain way of interpretation. And if I try to bring in my own understanding that makes me feel better, it, it, it divorces me from being able to truly understand it and let it sit with the fact that it's weird. Right. Yeah. So let's just sit with the fact that it's weird and maybe just accept the fact that we might not understand it because we're not sitting there with the people who wrote it and we don't understand their exact method of interpretation and we just need to let it be weird. Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I think a number of things. One, one, it's okay. And two, what happens is we end up with theological statements about the Bible that prevent us from actually reading it. And so I would use the word inspired of the Bible. Like I truly believe the Bible is from God and mm-hmm. it has what he wants us to know mm-hmm. about what life with God looks like. But you know what? It's inspired art and it's quirky. It's full of metaphor and yeah. literary yeah. fun stuff. Yeah. And it's full of not just recording the historical great events of God, but putting those events into brilliant storytelling. And that's all right. That's good. I was just sitting there. Yeah. You know, somewhere in between, uh, you know, your church's statement of faith on the webpage and what I just said, you'll find your view. And my hunch is that God would really be honored if you would be in the text more and be participating in the discussion and worry less about resolving the fact that interpretation is happening. Sure. That's good, Mark. I like that. Hey, we've, sure. we've left our listeners with a lot of food for thought. Um, That's true. Well, friends, hey, thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, we are so glad that you have um, hopped back on here with us after our short break. If you haven't yet, please check out the book, First Century Youth Ministry. We are actually going to be, I'm actually going to be at the Women in Youth Ministry Conference in Indianapolis. So if you're going, look for our booth. We'll be there on Friday and come say hi. We'd love to meet you in person. And then I'm not going to be there because, you know, you're not, not a woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awkward, right? Like if you walked in and you're oh, like, hey, yeah. I'm here. And they'd be like, mm, no. When you asked if I was interested, I, I was like, I can think of a thousand ways that could be weird. <laughs> you would not want to go. Yeah, sure. I get it. It's all good. Sorry. Anyways. Yeah. And also uh, go check out our Facebook group. We'd love for you to join us there. So friends, thanks for joining us on this episode of the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.